bestow upon us his grace and his blessing now and into the ages of all ages. Amen. I wanted to thank you uh, from before uh, for sharing Abuna Anthony with us in L.A. I know it's hard uh, for you to be away from him, but uh, uh, I think there's a lot of people, a couple hundred people that are very thankful for your gift, uh, Christmas gift for us. Um, huh? Let me go up. Okay. Don't like stages. When <laughs> we have to do, we have to do. Okay. Um, uh, we wanted to talk about, we talked a little bit about how to praise the Bible, and this time how to pray with the Bible. I alluded to a few things <coughs> in the sermon about the different prayers that were mentioned in, uh, the especially the Old Testament. The Holy Virgin Mary, when she came to praise, she borrowed a lot, as, as you saw from the Psalms, and a lot from the prayer and the praise of Hannah. Um, and I wanted to go through a few different prayers just to see how um, I like to look at the structure of things. Uh, so look at some parts of the prayers, the famous prayers in the Old Testament, and to see how we can learn from them so that in our own personal prayer, uh, our offering, that we can, like the Virgin Mary did and like others, we take from some of the phrases, some of the themes, some of the little petitions, um, and we offer to God. Before, I think someone, uh, uh, I think uh, it was Chris who mentioned that, yes, I was a lawyer. Um, and one of the things, one of the tricks in the <laughs> field that a lot, when you're writing a um, brief or appealing to the judge, and you look at an opinion that the judge may have written, um, you use some phrases and some uh, uh, things here and there. So that when you appeal to the judge, it's very hard for him to uh, deny. And the more, uh, I also had a very professor, uh, a professor who was um, brilliant uh, in St. Athanasius. Most of the class did not understand him. He was in, we were in a conference, there's a conference, uh, Oxford conference, it's the biggest patristic conference. They do it every four years to go all the way to England. And he was presenting there, and the whole room of the scholars of St. Athanasius, most of them, like they're clapping. As <laughs> you can tell, no one had questions, no response, because most of the people, they weren't exactly sure um, what he was talking about. It's unfortunate. Because I took a course with him, I could follow. And I remember writing a paper for him, and then he's Egyptian, so uh <laughs> usually Egyptians, they're very kind in grading other Egyptians. Um, <laughs> It's not, <laughs> it's not how it should be, <laughs> but I, I, I was taking, I was reviewing for the paper, I was going through the notes, it said many of the phrases, which we might not fully understand, but were powerful enough that he's lecturing on, he said to incorporate it in the, one time he gave us a whole lecture on literally a sentence that he had written in one of the journal articles, and nobody understood it, and it took an hour to explain the sentence. Now, I know I'm comparing him in, in another way to similar what God's words are, but sometimes God's words for us are not easy to comprehend or to understand. But because of their blessing and because of they're his words, that sometimes it does take time to kind of understand wh what they are, are about. And it's the process which, help, which teaches us as much as just expressing them. So many times you'll be reading in the Psalms or praying the Psalms, as we pray them, and they will uh, teach us about, as we said, about God, about ourselves, about what he wants for us, and how to get us where we need to be. Um, this prayer, which is by Nehemiah, 
Nehemiah's, uh, I don't know if you've done already a series on Nehemiah, but he was one of the faithful Jews in the time of the Babylonian captivity. When the Jewish people were not faithful to God, uh, and God had warned them several times that if you're not, you will, uh, the, the temple was destroyed, the city was left in ruins, was in fire, and the Jews, some of, the, some of them were taken captive in Babylon. Nehemiah was the cupbearer, and he was uh, uh, the assistant, one of the most faithful um, to the king of Babylon at that time. And uh, when he heard that still the city was in ruins, and um, uh, there's still a lot of fire and destruction, he wept, he prayed, he fasted, but then he prayed. The one, although he was probably for a long period of time praying, the prayer that we have, <laughs> which is the final prayer, God bless you, the prayer that moves the mountains, the prayer that changed the situation, not just for Nehemiah, but for all the people of Israel, so powerful that it was recorded, and that's why we want to go through it. It's a relatively short prayer. <laughs> when you look at it, I know it looks long here, but if you can imagine that the people of Israel were waiting for some time, uh, for God to answer, as I know this is your theme, um, for God to answer them. It was this prayer that literally it shook the heavens for there to be a response. So I just want to go through some of the aspects of it. Um, <coughs> Nehemiah says, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. In for those who study liturgy, I uh, had a professor who was comparing the Western style with the Eastern style. And he said, with the Western style, it's very simple. You say, you appeal to God, you say what you need, and you thank him, and you leave. With the Eastern style, <laughs> there's a lot, especially even if, uh, I think even in, in, in the legal world and other, the introduction <laughs> is as important as what you say. <laughs> and people can spend hours greeting <laughs> someone <laughs> um, before, even on the phone or whatever, this more of the Eastern style. And in the prayers, it's the same. Like, oh God, the great internal who formed man in corruption. By the time we get to the petition, <laughs> it could be a very uh, smart, a small part of the prayer. Nehemiah, he gives this part, oh God, oh great and awesome God, who keeps your covenant and your mercy with those who love you with all their heart. Um, and so, as we'll see later on, sometimes this is even extended longer. Why? Because the title and the being of God is just as important as what we need for him. And sometimes when we are in the waiting room, when you're waiting for God to respond, what is as important as God's response is who God is. And it reaffirms to us about his faith, about his mercy, about his compassion, about his, his love for us, that is sometimes part of, uh, a, a huge part of why we are waiting. Um, so this is the prayer that he has from the heart. And then he goes and he says, please let your ear be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of, our ser of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants. <coughs> and confess. Here's the part of it. See what he confesses. He confesses the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you 
and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you have commanded your servant Moses. Now, many times in a difficult situation, in a tribulation, that the main question is what? Why? Why is this situation happening? Why is God silent? Why is my enemy, are my enemies being victorious? Why haven't you answered? Why, why, why? And it's not a sin to ask why. But what Nehemiah does by this time, maybe he's been asking why for a while. But in this prayer, <laughs> where the part comes why, supposed to be why, what does he say? He says, because. <laughs> because we sinned, because we left you and my father's house, we know, I know, <laughs> this is why. But I'm not asking you why. I'm asking for the second part. So how do you move from why to, okay, change? <laughs> because because this, is, this is the transition. So he says, I know the commandments. I know what you promised. I know what you promised us, right? And he'll say it here. His, he'll say it here. <coughs> he says, after why, he says, remember. Now, remember is a very powerful word, especially in the liturgy. You will see the priest always saying, remember, O Lord, your people. Remember, O Lord, the, the servants. Remember, O Lord, the priests, the deacons. Does God forget us? <laughs> what the remembrance is a concept that is kind of above the English language. Uh, remembrance of God is looking down and pretty much acting, responding. So instead of saying, you know, where are you? <laughs> instead of where? He's just saying, remember, O Lord. And this is the holy, we'll say, remembrance. That's why we say, in the liturgy, we say in the anamnesis, we say, um, as we remember or proclaim your death, your resurrection, your ascension to the heavens, say, were we around when God rose from the dead? know about you <laughs> but none of us were alive or around and at the same time he says no and we look for your second coming or technically we're remembering the second coming but again the same thing the second coming hasn't happened yet for us to remember so remembrance is keeping in mind is recalling what God has done and what God will do Nehemiah here is he's calling to God to remember one of the promises that he has made for the people of Israel when they're in that predicament, when they're in this situation. <coughs> and, and then he's asking God to fulfill. So again, the request, the request is not even, oh God, just do whatever. God, take this problem away from me. God, just solve it. And we can give God many ways where we think is best for him to solve. <laughs> but Nehemiah presents the situation. He presents the reason why we're in the situation. And then afterwards, he says to God, this is what you promised us, now you fulfill what you said. Kind of like going to the judge and said, this is, th this is the law which you signed, or which you passed, or whatever. And now we're asking, we're calling it, just like sometimes uh, you parents, when your kids were bothering you or you wanted them to, uh, to, to, be, to be obedient in something, so you may give them a promise. And then a while later, <laughs> it could be a short while or a long while, They'll say, but you promised one, two, and three. <laughs> and very d especially if we've forgotten <laughs> the promise, or if we remembered and we thought we would hope they would forget, 
right? But once that promise is made, the father or mother <laughs> trying to wiggle out, but then say, have to, because your word is your word. And this is what Nehemiah did for, uh, to God. He is saying that you commanded your servant, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. He's saying because we were unfaithful, you scattered us. That's why we're living here in Babylon. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. When I'm sure during the days of his waiting, during the days of his prayer, that he was reading through the scriptures and the promises of God until he came to this part. And that's why, while he was saying why, God answered and said, this is why. And when God answers because, he doesn't just leave, just like s sometimes when there's someone breaks a law, there's a penalty, and then you put them away, and that's it. Like, you don't have to answer, you broke the law, and that's it. <laughs> the responsibility of the government or the authorities is, is kind of left aside. But because he's our Father and he's our God, he always has a solution for our human condition. That was the whole point of the Incarnation. That it wasn't just that we sinned. We sinned, yes, and fell short of the glory of God. And the punishment of sin is death, separation from God. But that's not all that it is. Because someone would say, why doesn't God just say, f forgive us? Why did he have to go through all of this and wait hundreds of years and then send the prophets and then come? Why all of this suffering? Because the, what we lost was much more than just disobeying a commandment. Human nature was changed. Death now entered into us. The hope of salvation, the hope of glory in, in the heaven was now lost or was threatened to be lost. And so for him to come down, all of this picture of humanity had to be restored and had to be renewed. And that was the process. That's why here this promise, this, uh, the promise of God always comes with a remedy with it, along with it. And some people in the law too, they'll do that. They say this is the punishment. This is and if someone breaks it, there, there could be a remedy or solution where in it people, when they're writing contracts, they'll say if someone breaks the contract, this is the consequence. So God put built into his law <laughs> the remedies for our uh, salvation. And then at the end, like we were saying before, Nehemiah, he presents the people of God, not what they are in the sin. That was the part of the repentance, right? If you confess the... Uh, they sinned and they acted corruptly. That's what they had have had done. I have to use this toy because someone gave me. Okay, not what they only had done here, but also who they are and who God created them to be. This is more important than what someone does. It's who they are, their identity. Their identity and his identity. And that's why his prayer is a revelation of who he is and who his people, the people of God are. That's why he said, these are your servants, your people. The priest in the liturgy, he says that. Your people. Sometimes when the, your kids are acting up, the father will tell the mother, get your son <laughs> or your daughter. and it's, it's yours. So kind of the priest is saying, they're your people. <laughs> Almost. He doesn't say, I don't want anything. But even if I wasn't here, I don't know what to do with them, all of them too much. Yes, we love them. But to solve them, many of the times, I don't know what to do. But as the priest would say, they're your people. Keep them yours. Guide them. Save them. You entrusted me to do whatever. We don't know exactly what. <laughs> we have to do anything and everything. But at the same time, the very little, we have to bring them to you and reunite them to you. 
So help us all. And that's what, um, that's what Nehemiah is praying. He said, whom you have already redeemed, although the redemption hasn't come yet. <laughs> this is a promise. Whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of men. At the end of this prayer, if God, of course, he's not like us, but assumed that he was listening, there's no way <laughs> for him to say no. <laughs> Because it's his word, and it's his servant, and in the end, in the end result, that's for repentance and for change of life. It's not just what we need, but that God wants as well. And in the waiting room, when you're waiting for God to respond, it's his will and his desire also for you to, uh, to be out of this predicament. Um, and so knowing Knowing that, Nehemiah takes that. He says, I know that you don't want us here. <laughs> this was a consequence of our unfaithfulness. And I know that you want us to be back in Jerusalem. And, I, and your people to be your, return to be your people. And after that, God opens the door. You know the rest of the story and brought him back. And anything that he went to ask, afterwards he went to ask the king. He almost didn't want to bring up the, issue because the king was the one <laughs> who led to this destruction so he said Nehemiah what's wrong and his, his faith was not the same as normal he had been weeping and fasting and praying so he says my, he basically he couldn't hide it he says you know this, what, this is the situation so to what, what do you want me to do what do you want me to do you're the one who <laughs> who led to this mess so he said whatever you need we'll fix it to rebuild to return yeah and whatever things that you need you need stones, you need soldiers, you need this. Okay, how can the enemy turn to rebuild what he destroyed? <laughs> it's beyond uh, imagination. Like no one would have put that plan uh, in, in there. This fulfillment is also in a time, uh, another time when David the prophet was waiting. And he had been waiting actually since the time that God had called the people of Israel to the land since the time that Abraham, and he said, this is the land that I chose for you. And it was a place for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they settled there. And they left and came back many times. But since then, when David came and the kingdom of Israel was now established, that it came to David's heart. He said, God needs a house. God needs the temple. And as if Sometimes when we're in the waiting, we're waiting for God to do something to us. But at this time, when it came to David, God pretty much told him, I'm waiting for you <laughs> to do what my will, to, do what, uh, to, to build a house so that um, I could dwell among you. And this prayer, um, which uh, David, uh, the prophet, had prayed, um, he also takes the commandment and the promise of God in order to lead to fulfillment. As if when I'm in my life and I'm about to, make, to take a big step or a new job, new city, new situation, whatever the case may be, um, not only he's asking for God's blessing, but he's saying, you promised me, you prepared me, and now you're trying to, you worked with me and labored with me for many years to get me to this point. And now, that I'm approaching, fulfill. 
So, so it's as if he say, what, what is the prayer? Is he really praying for something? No, he knows that God brought him here and he knows that God will bring it to completion. But he's asking for the blessing of God so that he's saying, I'm, I'm not neglectful, but I'm mindful of what God has asked me for. That's why you'll see here one key word. He says, now, now, O Lord, your words are true. That's what he's saying. This is the day of salvation and this is the time. So it's, it's after the waiting period. <laughs> it's the day that you wait for maybe for many years, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth when they're waiting for many years for God to answer them. Someone was telling me there was one of the priests, they couldn't have children for 14 years. 14 years. And this year, God answered them after all of that. And they could have forgotten. They said, I mean, imagine... So, of course, he went to Egypt and he did all of this, the, the baby that they're waiting for, for all this time. <laughs> and, I, and I was trying to imagine the joy of the, the family, the grandparents, the uncles, and everyone around to say that this is the fruit of all those years of praying. And Zechariah, when he came back, they forgot. Like he didn't think <laughs> that God was going to fulfill how many years that they were waiting for this to take place um, but it was fulfilled in the perfect time you know that even for Zechariah they had the division of the priests they were all in different um, probably 12 groups and each group had two times a year they would offer the sacrifice and they would choose lots kind of like roll dice pretty much to see whose turn it would be to go in and Zechariah probably his whole life was waiting for the one day. It's not like us, we get to offer every day <laughs> and day and night. No, but he was waiting. His whole, the one time he goes in, that he's waiting, he knows what he's going to ask for. <laughs> and he, he asks for God to hear and to grant him the prayer. And of course, every, as you know, this, everything stops and the angel comes and uh, he, they, they promise the promise uh, which is fulfilled in that time after many, many years. And that's why the fulfilled prayer after 10, 15, 20 years is different than 10, 15, 20 days, right? Or ten, 10 weeks. That's the one which it defines us. Before you said, I'm defined by because I don't have one, two, or three, or because I'm still waiting for all of this. But it's the opposite. When God seems that he's delaying to fulfill a promise for many years, it's not necessarily that God doesn't want to fulfill this. No, but that God's waiting to for the perfect time and the perfect to fulfill this promise. Although David didn't get to see the temple and didn't get to pray in the temple, just like Moses didn't get to see the promised land, he's waiting 40 years to enter into the one place. <laughs> and he was saying, what, well, you lost the way? We're just following. He said, no, we're following the cloud. We have the pillar of fire. Uh, why is it taking so long? The journey is not that far. <laughs> but the, the journey of the 40 years was uh, uh, by itself, by itself a lesson for the people of Moses. And Moses, he did get to see from a distance. Can you imagine the, his whole life waiting for the one thing. Does anyone know when he saw the place, the uh, Jerusalem, the place where God chose? With his eyes, like, You're just humble, I know. <laughs> the time was in the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Moses and Elijah appeared in Galilee. And he could see before he saw from a distance. But then even he waited and he died and he was buried. But then afterwards, Christ said, okay, come here. This is the time where you were writing and preaching about. You were a type of, for me. Now you stand with me and Elijah and see the place which I have and the, the, my children, the disciples, who, will, who are continuing your work. More than, I don't think Moses asked for, for, for that <laughs> situation. But when God delays or seems to delay, it's because there's something greater even than what we are asking for that God is going to fulfill. More than we ask or understand. Like who of us prayed and said, I mean some of us, we say, I, I want to be Christian. Or I want to be Coptic. <laughs> I really want to be Orthodox. <laughs> I mean, it was for many of us given as a gift. And even others, they stumbled upon like we didn't, when we were five, six, or maybe when we were in the womb, nobody was praying, please <laughs> let me be born to an Orthodox family or to be able at one point to find an Orthodox church. It wasn't in our uh, awareness even. But God had the plan which is greater than us. And of all the things that we pray and ask for, that's the greatest, which is to be his children. That surely, like no one in the Old Testament said, okay, we want you to come and to die and to rise from the dead and ascend into the heavens and then send us the Holy Spirit and the church so we can live. Nobody prayed for that. <laughs> the greatest thing that happened in the history of humanity, I don't think it was in the imagination of us. But afterwards when God prepared, he said, see, this is what I prepared for you. This is how I, I will write your story. Uh, it's, it's, it's greater than what we can imagine. Solomon, when he was in the situation, David had prepared all the way, and, and then he passed on the kingship, I think wise enough, so he could be around to see, okay, what is my son going to do now? He was with him. He, know, he saw everything. He knows God. I just want to wait and, and, and see, okay, you build a temple. God said, I can't build a temple. My son will, so I'll kind of advance. Usually they'd wait for the king to die, and then, but he kind of uh, made it quicker. I think so he could see his son preparing to build and to build the temple. That's how much David wanted it. The day came finally for many years to build. When you build a church, it could take a few years. Now you wait, maybe soon you'll wait to get a building. Just to, in the process, it could take months or years. For them, it took <laughs> over 40 years <laughs> to build the one house. Um, Every day I go, every year I go to Egypt. I was well, one of the priests building a church, one of the newer churches in Egypt, at least five, six years, and they're still building the basic, like they still haven't opened. I said, you know, usually they're very fast uh, in building, but a church shouldn't take that long. They have some special circumstances. But I'm saying, imagine if you're waiting for four or five years to, to, to move into your house or to build, it, to build your house. It's a little longer. So for, for, for many years, for them to build, when the day came, Solomon offered a prayer. And this prayer, uh, it's, it's definitely too long for us to go through. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 8. You can read it, but I just want to give some points. Because it's a little different than Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah's prayer is a prayer for return. But Solomon's prayer is a prayer for blessing. And it's very forward-looking. So Nehemiah looks back and says, this is where we are, and this is where we need to be. 
but Solomon, he prays and he says, this is where we are. And if this happens, if that happens, when this happens, be with us. It's just like someone saying, when I get into a problem in two, three years, <laughs> or when I have, when they get married, and I say, when we have our first fight, be with us. When we can't decide about the children, when this happens, when we get old, and all of the things in the future that Solomon was praying for for his people. And he says, he stood before the altar in the presence of the assembly of Israel with his arms extended, which is very clear image of the cross and very clear that's why we pray with our arms extended because it reminds us of the salvation that that God had had done already through us um, for us so he said you kept your promise you you have kept what you promised your servant David my father you fulfilled this day what you promised him many years ago and you spoke it with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day the same thing now <laughs> that's why I said this is the day the Lord has made which is every Sunday this is the day which you gave me this, this is the sanctification of the present um, and then he said now keep what you promised your servant David my father saying and then he gives the, uh, the promise he gives the promise that David had I'm sure David when, when Solomon was probably very young and he told him this is what God told me. One, two, three. And then when he got older, he would tell him the same thing. Do you remember what God told me? He told him, yes. <laughs> I remember the promise. Do you remember what you're going to do? He said, yes. When he got older and then he started to be king, I'm sure. And he sat him down and he said, this is what. And when David is about to die, the same thing happens and he calls him and he said, don't forget. <laughs> this was God's promise to me. And then he, the same thing with Abraham. And the, and this was the passing on of the promises of God. Um, uh, he goes through a lot, and there's a lot here. Um, let's start with this. When anyone sins against his neighbor, then hear in heaven and judge your servants. Then he says, when your people are defeated before an enemy, then you will answer them. When the heavens are shut up and there's no rain, like all of the possibilities <laughs> that could happen to the people of Israel, that's his, his children, just like a father or mother praying for his, their child when they're going to leave home <laughs> or when they're going to get married. They know all the things <laughs> that could happen. And of course, they're afraid of everything that might happen, even if it's a 1%. <laughs> They'll anticipate it, but not just in fear and anxiety and worry and depression. No, but in the expectation said, God, you be with them in all of these things. And this is what, this is what Solomon prays. It's a very powerful prayer. That's why whenever we have a new church, God willing, when you enter and pick the new building and you have the consecration, they read all of this. Because it's, it's a sanctification prayer. Um, okay, we won't go through all of it. Uh, we'll go through another prayer. Um, since this year uh, the church recognized Pope Krullos as one of the saints, I'll just go through one of the prayers that I was um, reading uh, recently. Um, and it reminds me very much of the praise that we took in, in, the, in the sermon of the Holy Virgin Mary that every verse, every statement or so is taken from different places in Scripture. Just like someone who assembles a bouquet of flowers from different parts of the Bible and presents it. We didn't make the flowers. <laughs> but it needs a type of, uh, it's, it's a little bit artistic. It's very personal. And when someone makes it, even it could, might not be the best bouquet. Someone said, I would have done it differently. But it's very personalized. It's very, and that's what 
uh, you'll see in this prayer, uh, just like we saw a, a little while ago. <coughs> Probably, okay, I'll, I won't tell you where, when Pope Kirilla said this prayer. Maybe one of you can guess at what time in his life this prayer came. O great Lord, in whose hands lies every living thing, who has made everything beautiful in its due time, you from whom comes every good gift and every perfect gift, who always teaches and guides us, as you promised, saying, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you, you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So truly we thank you, our Lord, for your abundant mercy and plentiful gifts which you bestow upon us from time to time. Truly our great Savior, you taught us the useful lesson that is not by depending on our endeavors, mediators, or leaders that we can accomplish what we desire, but only by depending on you and hoping in you alone. Who can guess now uh, before I... You kind of have to know uh, about his... When he was called Pope shortly after, there was a lot of... It's a very difficult time in the church. There was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of... The church was not <laughs> the church <laughs> as it is. One of the uh, lowest points in the history. Not, not the lowest, but one of the, the lowest. And it was his job to kind of change things. Um, which he, he did through a lot of prayer. But the reason why I came to this prayer is that even to the point where most of the bishops didn't want him pope. <laughs> there was um, his first meeting with the Holy Synod. He said, okay, all the bishops who came through uh, in a corrupt way, they should step down. <laughs> and that was his first order. He was going to put it in the meeting. So then the secretary, Ambathanasius, the metropolitan, the, he was the the vice uh, pope, the one who transitioned. So he didn't put, he didn't put it. So Pope was very upset at the end. He said, how come you didn't put this on the agenda? I told you it's very important. So he said, Sayyidina, you want us to remove half of the synod? <laughs> All the <laughs> he said, it's not going to work. What you need to do, and he told them some advice in the beginning. And so he found in the just starting a new position, very difficult, like all these barriers around him, people trying to kill him, like many things <laughs> doesn't belong in the church. And I think it was at this point he said the prayer. He said, well, how can I do anything? Pretty much anytime you want to take a decision, you find a wall in front of it. That's why he was praying. One time, the, it was so difficult, the, the synod, that he d couldn't pray the feast in the cathedral. He went to the monastery and he prayed the whole liturgy weeping. The whole, the whole thing. It was only a few people. By the time he came back, the problem was solved. <laughs> but, but, but to see that it, it was reaching the point, reaching the point where he literally felt his hands tied. And in that moment, in that time, the, the waiting room, but also, like, you know, you have a work to do. You want to do it, and you can't you feel like everything you try to do is not working. So he was focusing just on, on prayer, of course, and fasting. Uh, even to the point he didn't like to teach. Like, he won't give a sermon like I am now. <laughs> if you wanted to bother him, you'd say, Satan, give us a word. <laughs> he'll, he'll pray for you and leave. <laughs> um, <coughs> but it was that point where he's offering this prayer. And he said, because I can't depend on anyone, no mediators or leaders, because the president didn't even, at that point, didn't even want to answer his call or meet with him. Uh, very difficult. Um, 
But he said, all we do is hope in you. You're the only one. I can't trust the synod. I can't trust the bishops. Even go to the church, you might not even find the priest. <laughs> so there's no, there's no one else to turn to in this point uh, for him but God. Um, okay, uh, we'll finish the prayer and then we'll conclude. For when you desire, you can facilitate everything and make our enemies come eager to our help. That's what happened with the bishops, what happened with um, the president even when his, his daughter was sick. So you know, afterwards, before he wouldn't meet him, after Pope Carlos, uh, God healed uh, his daughter through him, he said, now don't come to the office, come to my house whenever you want. <laughs> and any time, just tell me. This, this is what it changes even the enemies, what Nehemiah experienced, what Pope Carlo experienced, and what uh, the servants of God see. We thank you from all our hearts for this great gift asking your kindness to strengthen our faith in you. Help us to fulfill our duties towards you. Keep away every distress and save us from the evil enemy. For unto you is all glory, power, and dominion. As your good Father and the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, now and forever into the ages of all ages. Amen. We'll say a short prayer and then we'll uh, conclude. Uh, we ask you, O Lord our God, that you fulfill your commandments, that you keep your mercy and your covenant to us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to serve. We, we repent, O Lord, for our sins and the sins of your people. But we ask, O Lord, that you are faithful and loving God. You return us all to your kingdom and always allow us to rejoice with your angels and your saints. Bless everyone standing before you. Bless this church. Make it a house of prayer, house of blessing, and a light, a beacon of light for all those around. Give, O Lord, grace to your servants so that whatever is done, whatever is thought, whatever is worked upon, that it's blessed by you and has the power of your Holy Spirit. The prayers and supplications of the Virgin Mary, Angel Michael, St. Mark, St. Timothy, and St. Athanasius, the saints of this day, St. John of Burulos, hear us when we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the only God, Son, of God, and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you, go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you. All right, we just wanted to give uh, uh, another um, source of appreciation to Abuna John Paul thank for you. making it out here. Um, we thank you so much, Abuna, for coming out. Um, and uh, there was a couple announcements that we also wanted to.